following is a digital media production. Political shockwaves that will affect the 2016 election and beyond, just as Antonin Scalia has died. We have that, some Democratic and Republican debate coverage, a little bit of a primary preview, and a lot more. Stick around. This is the Mandatory Samson Podcast, coming to you live from Stand Up New York Labs in New York City. Hey, sweeties, welcome to the show. I, Chris Flannery, and my close friend, Joseph Noe, produce each week for your listening pleasure. Thank you for joining us once again. I think we got a nice one here, Joey. That's a great opening, Chris. Thank you. You know, I figured I'd switch it up a little bit. Uh, we'll get into it in a little while, but I'm feeling a little under the weather, so it's a little Aww. bit more subdued, but I, I thank the Samsonites for joining us nonetheless. We've got a little bit of a climate change roundup today, Joey, uh, including a SoCal gas methane leak update. Oh, finally. Yes, finally, indeed. Uh, an interesting battle brewing between Apple and the FBI. Ooh. Apple never been my favorite thing, um, even though I use a lot of Apple products. I edit this program on, on Apple products, but well, we can get into it a little bit later. But, uh, but I think a nice stand by Apple here, and I think it's a, it's a very 21st century fight that we're about to have here. How do you feel about the fruit? The apple itself? The yes. Little, I think that's cool. I mean, I like, I uh, from a graphic design standpoint, which is something I'm into, Apple nails it repeatedly. Uh, clips from the Democratic and GOP debates that took place since our last episode. Not as many as we, you know, have done in past episodes, but we got a pretty nice uh, collection of clips that we can get into from both of those debates. Um, and time permitting, a little bit of a tight schedule today, we have a 2016 update as we head into the big contest in South Carolina and nevada before we get into into any of that stuff the huge news this week obviously the death of longtime conservative supreme court justice antonin scalia and the potential nomination process to replace him even before that yes we got an email from our good friend danny uh who moved to chicago we don't see him as much as we'd like to but i did get to see him over the weekend and he sent me an email um about gamergate Joey, did you get? I forwarded that email to you. What I do we did got get in that it, situation? Okay. And I read it, and I was just as confused as he was. Okay. So we're just going to pretend that it never happened. Wow, you're just rejecting Danny's uh, offering to you of yep. this Gamergate article. Sorry, well, Danny, but you're right. It is way too confusing. Yeah, I mean, Danny sent me the link, and I mean, it, you know, true Samsonites that listen to this show since the beginning, you know it. We were talking about Gamergate right from the start. We never understood it. We, we still don't. And, you know, people send us, people send me Snapchats and like, saw something about Gamergate, don't get it. I'm like, great. Thanks awesome. for letting me know. Yeah. Uh, so sorry, Danny. I mean, I sent it to Joey. He tried to take a look at it. I, I was busy. I didn't even read the article, but I figured... We'd give it a shot, but okay, fine. If you're telling me we can't, we can't. Um, no emails or shout-outs or anything at the beginning of this episode. Again, guy, I'm feeling the heat has been out in my... Do you know this, Joey? The heat has been out in my apartment. That's uh, no good. All week. And it, it went out probably the worst week it could have gone out in Manhattan. It was, I mean, it was zero here at one point. Ooh. Uh, my apartment was probably in the high 40s, 50 degrees, and uh, we had to stay at 
Molly's sister's apartment one night. It was just a whole mess, but I think I caught a chill or something. I feel like I'm getting a little achy, a little, you know. But look, listen. Is there anything I can do to warm you up? You, I mean, you're already doing it by just being here. You warm my heart by being my friend and just being here. And um, yeah, you know what? The, you know what? I'll tell you what. What, what the Samsonites can do to make me feel better? Uh-huh. Go rate and subscribe on iTunes. Nice. You want to get into this Anton and Scalia stuff? Yes, huge. It, it is. Huge. It is. It is absolutely huge. I was on my way. I, I was away also uh, over the, you know, Friday night. I was in the Poconos, which listeners in the conver- conversation know that. Um, and I got, I, I saw it on Twitter and I was like, my God. And I just started screaming at Molly in the car. And, uh, <laughs> Do you know what this she, means? Yeah. She was like, just save it for the podcast. And I was like, sure thing, sweetheart. On Saturday, February 13th, 79 year old Ronald Reagan appointee, Supreme Court Justice Antonin. Scalia was found dead of a heart attack in his bed at a West Texas ranch. He, at the time of his death, was the longest serving justice. He leaves behind a legacy of polarizing opinions, particularly in the realm of social issues, abortion. Some of the stuff he's had to say about gay marriage, the, mm-hmm. you know, saying like, well, if, if we're going to allow the homosexuals to get married, then why, why not just let murder be okay? It's like, all right, well, that guy's a little... <laughs> Guys, a little far to the right. Uh, his death has now uh, sparked a political firestorm regarding who should choose his replacement and in what time frame. This choice also calls into stark relief what exactly elections are for and why they matter. This is not an abstract thing. The appointment of a new justice will impact the fabric of this country for generations. And when you see the debate clips later, I mean, I make reference to it, whatever. There's some people on that stage where you go... Nope, I don't think they should be impacting America for 30, 40 years, depending on who they, they nominate. Donald Trump definitely should be impacting America. That's well, huge. You know, that's that's who I was thinking about when I made that, that yes. comment, obviously, and that was the first thing that came to mind, you know, when I heard about it. Trump, again, in the abstract, and this is something that, I, that we have talked about, when you finally get in a voting booth and you have to pull a lever and make a choice, that's when it really becomes real, okay? And Trump has won a, a primary he lost a, a caucus. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, he's been up and down, and we'll see what happens in the next ones. I, ha- I have that 2016 update we can get to. But this is the type of thing where you got to look at Trump and go, do I trust this guy's decision-making ability? Do I trust his moral compass? The Pope had some things to say about Trump, which we're going to get yes. into in a minute. Do you trust, as a Republican voter, his morality, how he actually represents you? Because I don't think religion should be a huge impact in, in, in this thing at all. But for sure, the Republican base does. Mm -hmm. And, you know, again, this is the thing. Do you want Trump, a guy who potentially was a liberal Democrat for most of his life, donated to Hillary Clinton, was was involved in a lot of other campaign issues, is is for Planned Parenthood funding, although he's against abortion now? You know, it's like these little things. And now this decision is extremely, extremely impactful. Let me just we're going to get back to Trump Mm -hmm. in one second uh, because I asked you to get some quotes for me. Let's just say this, an eight-member court, which is what we're looking at, because now the big question is, are the Republicans going to even allow a vote? Are they going to allow the nomination process to begin? Or are they going to try to stall this thing until Obama's out of office, which is like 340-something days from now? Yeah, I think they're going to have to... Yeah, Obama's going to get to nominate somebody, and they're going to have to vote on it. I agree. Evan, uh, who's actually sitting in here... Oh, by the way, Shelby, I'm so sorry, my friend. Shelby's producing this program. How you doing over there, pal? Hey. Yeah, there you go. He's a man of few words, but he's really great doing? at what he does. What? What? No. All right, bye, Shelby. Thank you. Uh, we also have Evan sitting in, uh, who hasn't been here in a little bit. It's nice to have him. He texted me the other night um, about the Scalia thing, and he yeah. was like, 
what's Obama going to do? Is he going to have to, you know, how is he just going to go balls to the wall? That's not the phrase he used, but that's how I interpreted it. Like, is he going to go super liberal and force them to make a decision on it? Or is he going to try to play moderate here and elect somebody that he could potentially get past, you know, even though they might not be as liberal as he would like them to be going forward? You know, it all depends. It all depends on what he thinks he can get done. I think Obama, again, is a moderate more than he is a super liberal guy. We'll see. There are some cracks in the Republican armor. Um, you know, people immediately came out. The presidential candidates, I have clips of them. They they were not in favor of this. And they had some wacky shit to say, which we'll get to later. But You know something? What? I bet you Obama has a list of 99 and not one judge. What do you... Oh, he's got 99 <laughs> problems, but not one judge. Is that yeah. what you're saying? Is that because he's black? Joey, see, that's a little... I feel like that's a little oh racial God. humor. Okay. I don't like... Uh, oh, but you know what? You just reminded me, actually. I wasn't even going to bring this up, but... Uh, I got a we got a comment on the SoundCloud page last week about remember when I said about Ben Carson like he did really terrible in New Hampshire and I was trying to think of like potential reasons why that could have been the case okay and I mentioned that there is very little there is like no black community essentially in New Hampshire I got a comment being like yeah that's not racist to imply that if there was more black people in New Hampshire Carson would have done better that's not what I was saying and maybe I said it in you know inartfully and I, I commented on the SoundCloud page but what I meant really was if we know that Obama receives very high support from the black community. We know that Bernie Sanders receives very high support from the white community. My point being, if Ben Carson, aside from being a dummy and a guy that shouldn't be president, if he was going to pick up maybe any kind of support, maybe he had a better shot of getting people in the black community in New Hampshire. Not that they would just automatically vote for him because he's black. That's not what I was trying to imply. I was just saying demographically, you know, it just doesn't, it, they, there was no help coming from, you understand mm -hmm. what I'm saying? So anyway, let's just put that out there. Let me say this about the court and then you can get to that, uh, the Trump and, and the Pope. He, uh, eight member court, which is what we're looking at now, isn't rare, according to legal experts, a 4-4 ruling upholds the lower court's ruling, but does not create precedent. So if the lower court says, Joey can't wear purple, okay, and you're like, no, I demand my right to wear purple, and you take it all the way to the Supreme Court, and they decide 4-4, you got to wear purple, kid, but it can actually come back to the Supreme Court eventually because precedent has not been set. In order to create precedent, a majority decision has to be 5-3. So okay. if you get to the Supreme Court and they vote 5-3, no, Joey doesn't have to wear. He can wear whatever color he wants. He can wear green like he's wearing today. That's what would actually hold sway, and you know it would be very hard to overturn that going forward. So that's an interesting thing. So it's not like the court will not be able to work. It just won't be functioning at 100% capability but it would still be there to yeah. make decisions obama will nominate i think uh it remains to be seen whether republicans will even allow hearings let alone a vote is what i wrote there now to the point that i was making about how people feel about the candidates i think it calls into stark relief do does this person represent me whatever does we could have saved this for the um you know, for the little update we're going to do at the end, but I figured, screw it, let's get to it. Mm -hmm. it. It was like it happened today. Uh, Donald Trump got into a little spat with the Pope. Is this correct? Yes, he did. Uh, the Pope said a person who... Well, where is the Pope? He's in Mexico? He's in correct? Mexico. Okay, so perfect. So the Pope said a person who thinks only about building walls, whoever they may be, and not building bridges is not Christian. I agree. They, and that's the thing. You can, And before we get into anything that Trump said or any of the other reaction, mm -hmm. Correct. Like, if you're truly a Christian, you are, you have to be, not that you're going to accept people doing violence and bad things, but your your main thing is love and forgiveness. That yes. is what it's about. You know, there, there's no denying that unless you don't, aren't really into it and you just like, you know, rules and stuff like that. Oh, you're running for president. Sure. 
So Trump responds with, "Well, Christians, it's a very it's a very difficult position to be in to be the president because your allegiance ultimately if you are like a devout Christian is to God and the church and all that stuff, not the country. So at best you're 80% in, you know what I mean? You <laughs> yeah. otherwise you're you're not you can't be president because that's a bankrupt, you know, uh, way to go about it. God, well, what did Trump have to say to the uh, Oh, you're writing a title? Yes. I'm very proud of you. You're doing a nice job. What was the title out of curiosity? 80% in. All right, that sounds sexual. Could be get a little extra listeners there. Shelby, thoughts? Uh, maybe people will be interested. It's very erotic. It's erotic, certainly. Uh, I wish I had some of Joey's Fifty Shades of Grey audio clips, but I didn't set up the soundboard today. Well, I, that's what you get for not setting up the soundboard. I, I know. Well, uh, you could just fuck my mouth. Uh, I just didn't feel <laughs> it's like it's not goodness. the same, and it's not. And I added the uh, Hillary Clinton gun. I think that's great. I did add that, but I just, we don't have it this week. So, God. So, Trump responds with no leader, especially a religious leader, has the right to question another man's religion or faith. <laughs> that's not true. Okay. The, impo- the big quote, which Trump goes off on a tangent mm-hmm. if and when the Vatican is attacked by ISIS, which is. Oh, heaven forbid. Knock <laughs> on wood. As everyone knows, is, Iris, is ISIS's ultimate trophy. The, the Pope can have only wished and prayed that Donald Trump would have been president <laughs> because that would have not happened. I love it so I love it so much in so many different levels. It makes because, no sense. You know what? It does make sense though. He's right. Like it, I mean, ISIS might eventually try to attack the Vatican. I'm not yes. I'm not saying that. And I like I like this pope. I don't want him to get killed, but to see a, a legit holy war take place in St. uh, you know, Peter's Cathedral whatever square or whatever the hell that is, that'd be unreal. And yeah, out of your mind. you know what would Trump do? I mean, I guess he'd fly over there and bomb ISIS in 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 the in the Vatican. I, I don't understand what he's saying. Vatican City. I, I don't know. But, but whatever. It's mess. just funny. It's just crazy. And he also at another point implied because the the Pope is in Mexico that the Mexican government got to him yes. and like corrupted him, which is just <laughs> delightful. I mean, ah, oh, it's so good. The, mind you, there's a guy who won, in my opinion, the last Republican debate. So. All right, that's pretty much it for Anton. You're Scal- gonna give it to to Trump? Yeah, we'll get into it a little okay. bit later. Okay. Only only on the strength of performance, not necessarily on what he was actually okay. saying. Although there was a moment where I was like, per- absolutely, I completely 100 percent agree with Donald Trump, and I and there is no reason that anybody else in the state should be disagreeing with him. We'll get to that. And later. you have that clip? Of course I do. Nice. Um, that's it with Anthony Scalia. Obviously, not a guy whose positions I support or agree with necessarily uh he leaves behind nine kids 36 grandkids you know i mean a guy i I don't believe in necessarily like getting all weepy about people that you didn't really respect when they were alive whatever but i'm not like happy the guy died it is what it is It, it creates a ripple effect in this thing and it provides an opportunity hopefully for obama or hillary or bernie to you know swing the court in a direction where i think the country culturally is heading anyway but rest in peace antonin scalia like him or not, extremely impactful, influential, and uh, you know, polarizing figure on the on the Supreme Court. I was shocked at how quickly we got to political talk after a man died. Within five minutes of his death, yeah, everybody already had a game plan and agenda of what's going on. Nothing about the nine kids, the nah, thirty-six I grandchildren. Stuff. I follow some Republicans on Twitter just to like get you know my Twitter feed is like my little glimpse into the conversation of what's going on. And people like Se Cup, uh, David Frum, who I follow. You know, it's like mm-hmm. they they had things to say about that. And other you know, some people are like, he's a human being. It's like all right, we get it, but you <laughs> he's know, a human judge. you know what the, the first thought anybody had, unless you were friends with the guy or are lying, was 
Oh, shit. Supreme Court vacancy. This is going to get crazy. Do you want to, you know, I actually wrote this down too, the yeah. ages of the other judges because now, because he wasn't the one that anybody was expecting to go. People were looking at Ruth Bader Ginsburg potentially as one that would have to be replaced, whatever. God damn it. If the next president, because this mm-hmm. is real, if the next president gets to appoint three judges, justices, like yeah. including Scalia, it alters the course of history. I mean, it really does. That's not hyperbole. I mean, it's a huge deal. Ruth Bader Ginsburg, 82 years old. She's a Democrat. Mm-hmm. Uh, Anthony Kennedy, 79. He's a Republican, but he's oftentimes the tiebreaker. He was nominated by Ronald Reagan as well. He swings to both sides of the argument. Stephen Breyer, 77, a Democrat. Clarence Thomas, 67, a Republican. Samuel Alito, 65, I was going to say degrees, but that's not correct. He's 65 years old. He's a Republican. And then Sotomayor is 61, a Democrat. Robert, 61, a Republican. And Elena Kagan, the newest to the bench appointed by Obama, 55 years old and a Democrat. So, you know. That's super young. Absolutely. And that's really where the trend is going with Supreme Court justice. That's another thing that I think is part and parcel of our corrupt political system. You can't get somebody nominated if they have a record. But without a record, you don't really know how they're going to rule on stuff. Mm-hmm. And you also want to get people that are y- as young as possible, which I understand that because then they're on the bench 30, 40 years. But, you know, there's a lack of experience there. And, you know, you run you run those risks as well. So it's, it's you know, it's a sign of the times. It is what it is. Like you're saying, people didn't resp- A man died. Right. But we live in these hyper-escalated political times and hyper-partisan and in an election cycle. So it's like it was the absolute wildest time that this guy could have uh you know shed his mortal coil do you know who this helps the most the 24-hour news networks because because you could just come up with 800 different uh theories on what's gonna happen yeah no doubt i mean pretty much everything helps the 24 you know it's like uh, slow days don't but right shit like this the pope needs to be replaced wow we're set we're good to go can't wait for a hurricane yes blizzard (laughs) let's do it we're gonna be out here for 39 hours straight all right any final thoughts on that? Uh, that was a good discussion, I think. Yeah, right? great discussion, and we will get a new Supreme Justice before Obama's time. I tend to agree with you, yeah. yeah. Um, we'll see, because you can't run the risk. He's got to get somebody in if they're a little less liberal. It is what it is, but I think he's really going to try to get something in. And there's vulnerable Republicans that have to vote. They can't look like they're just being completely partisan. You know, No matter how much we think that's the case, there, there's an appetite for people. They understand. I would feel the same way. I think he should, although I'd rather potentially Bernie do it. Um, But I think there's an appetite for people to see this happen. Mm -hmm. I think we understand that it is, I don't want to say luck because a person died, but it's like, it's the luck of the draw, essentially. Man, there's a Democrat in office, so they get the pick. You know, if a Republican was in, I wouldn't love it, but I'd be like, they they get to make the choice. That that is what it is. That's how it always works. Um, All right. Let's do a little climate change roundup here. This, I found some disturbing stuff, and we haven't talked about climate change in quite a bit. This is a little bit longer, but let, let's get okay. into it. Um, then we'll probably take our little break ski, get into the Avil stuff, you know, the, the debate coverage and all that. For the first time since October, the SoCal gas methane leak that has gushed uncontrollably for 16 weeks has been plugged. Finally. $250 million later, at least. I mean, who knows where this is going to uh, go. It's going to be so much more. People displaced and, you know, God knows the lasting, uh, you know, damage to the air and the environment and all that stuff. Um, that has been plugged. Great, but they still have to put a permanent, you know, they still have to go down and do more work for it, but at least the methane is not spilling out into the environment. Just a quick update there. Obviously, we keep our eye on that. 
You ready for some alarming new research, Joey, that actually really, uh, it is alarming to me. Okay, go ahead. New research suggests that unless the brief window of opportunity of the next few decades is used to drastically cut carbon emissions, 20% of the world's population will eventually have to migrate away from the coasts. We're talking New York, London, Rio de Janeiro, Cairo, Calcutta, Jakarta, Shanghai. They'd be submerged. Not Shanghai. (laughs) Shanghai Nights. Jackie Chan, no. Uh, But you know what? So the reason why that's terrifying, obviously, I live in New York, so that's Uh not a great situation there. I think New York would probably be able to figure it out. I think the more industrialized nations. But the bigger issue is people that live in smaller countries nations um that don't have a lot of money don't have a lot a lot of opportunity they're gonna have to get the hell out right and where are they gonna go they're gonna go to huge already overburdened you know population centers in india and different places in you know china and whatever and and all over the place and again again that is going to create the conditions for resentment against the western world the modern world and be a hotbed for radical ideology you know that's such a clear issue aside from the fact that it's going to be catastrophic to infrastructure and and, you know just society in general trade and everything but from a human perspective obviously we don't want people to be displaced it's horrible and then you know you're you're escalating a problem potentially with terrorism or or, you see what the americans did negativity see, see what the corporations did they raised the water level. Well, absolutely. I mean, let me tell you something. If ISIS was against some of the corporations, I'd be like, ISIS makes about a good point. They're like Rand Paul. <laughs> ISIS is like Rand Paul to me. If they started making some points about Monsanto, I'd be like, all right, I'm, I'm with you on that. Stop cutting off people's heads, you crazy fucks. Just go, uh, you know, whatever. I'm not, I don't support ISIS. Clip that, Shelby. I don't support ISIS, all right? Uh, the research in the journal Nature Climate Change shows that even if, this is even worse, if global temperature rise is limited to 2 degrees Celsius uh, or 35.6 degrees Fahrenheit, that's like the accepted global red line, essentially, for where we think we can allow climate, you know, we can't let it go past that. Sea level would rise 25 meters over the next 2,000 years oh. and would remain there for 10,000 years. If we go over that, and if nothing is done, twice as long as human history, uh, oh, I'm saying 10,000 years is twice as long as human history. If nothing is done, we're talking 50 meters sea level rise, and that's a problem that we're never going to be able to insane. recover from. Absolutely. And on top of that, now, if that wasn't bad enough, this sounds like a real problem, correct? Like yes. something needs to be done about this. It would, be, it would behoove the world and the human population to understand that this is a real thing. Here's some absolutely disturbing stats. Nearly two-thirds... Two-thirds of U.S. school children are taught lessons on climate change that do not rise to the level of sound science education. Yeah, there's a reason for that. Well, absolutely. Would you like to tell the Samsonites what that reason is, Joey? I think they know already. Well, I think it's the fossil fuel industry's influence over, uh, you know, our, our educational system and, you know, their effect on, on Washington. A survey of 1,500 teachers published in Science found that most students spend one to two hours... An academic year learning about That's climate 365 change. 365 days, right? Well, whatever. 200-something, they have days off. They get a couple yeah. weeks off for Christmas and shit like that. But one to two hours. We've talked about climate change more than that in the first three episodes of the show. Yeah. It's crazy. And even when they're being taught, they, it's not even real science that they're being taught. Only 38% of students were taught that climate change is largely linked to the burning of fossil fuels. 38%. <laughs> of teachers said their lessons mentioned scientific consensus on the issue, but also mentioned that there's, quote, significant disagreement among scientists, which isn't true no, as that's well. Not true. Uh, meanwhile, 
Finally, on this little wrap-up, the Supreme Court, while we're talking about it, pre-death of Scalia, agreed to freeze EPA rules, cutting U.S. carbon emissions as laid out in Obama's Paris climate plan. The people that shot down that plan and froze it are Kennedy, Roberts, Alito, Scalia, and Thomas. For the win, Joey! (laughs) Uh, So there you go. I mean, that shit is just not mind-boggling, but it's really it's terrifying. Like we talked about it with the piracy thing. That's the type of shit they're trying to slip into kids' education. Yes. Not, you know, we're going to die. It's going <laughs> to be a big problem. Your kids are going to drown for sure, like if you want to live in a, a major city. Not if they learn how to swim. You know, that's in poor taste, Joey. Okay. We have great Americans like Michael Phelps, people like this, Greg Louganis even, a gay Olympian, and you just denigrate them by, you know, saying that kids should learn it. It's not that easy, okay? And I want you to apologize. I apologize. To the U.S. Olympic Committee. To Wheaties. Why did the no. U.S. apply? <laughs> uh, <laughs> the Olympic <laughs> um, All right. Le- let's get to the next thing. You know what? Here's This is going to be perfect. Let's do this next Apple FBI thing. Okay. We'll do our little break ski, and then we'll get... I said break ski twice, which annoys me, and I'll probably be infuriated later when I listen to it. Then we'll do the 2016 update, and we'll get to the clips, and then yes. we'll, we'll motor. You were excited about this, this yes. Apple FBI thing. Because th- I like nothing more than to talk about a backdoor. <laughs> Absolutely. God damn it. Why, why are you saying all this shit? I need the Fifty Shades things. Yeah. yeah. Uh, on Tuesday, Apple CEO, oh, by the way, I want to put this out, well, not exactly on Twitter, sent me this uh, article first. Okay. That was where I first saw it. On Tuesday, Apple CEO Tim Cook put out, quote, a message to our customers, which you can find at apple.com slash customer dash letter. You can read it. Essentially detailing why Apple would not adhere to the FBI's order to unlock or create a backdoor, as Joey alluded to, to one of the San Bernardino shooters' passcode-protected iPhones. Snowden, anyone? And I do have a couple of tweets from Edward Snowden that we can get to in a little bit. Let me just read a couple of quotes. One of them is from the actual thing that uh, Tim Cook put out, the message to customers. And then just like a paragraph from a Slate article I was reading about it. Because honestly, guys, it ended up getting late on your boy, and I didn't... I didn't do as much tight research as I, I would like to, uh, but I felt Chris, like there's something Chris, I got to put out there. So I found an article that I thought was good that explains it. And then I got some quotes. Look, Joey, it is what it is. Seven, 68 episodes. Mm-hmm. Come on. This is from a message to our customers. The United States government has demanded that Apple take an unprecedented step, which threatens the security of our customers. We oppose this order, which has implications far beyond the legal case at hand. This moment calls for public discussion. Good luck. And we want our customers and people around the country to understand what is at stake. Good luck. Now, that's what, and then obviously that's just like the little brief at the top. You got to read the whole thing. Uh, Thoughts immediately before we get into any of this. Proud of Apple for making the stand because I... I am. I think it's. I think this is what you need, and it also contrasts to a lot of what's being said in Republican debates. Hillary Clinton says it, where it's like we got to work with corporations, we got to work with the tech company. What if they say no? Then what are you going to do? Oh, you're gonna you're mm-hmm. gonna backdoor them the same way you do it to anybody else, brute force, hack them, whatever it is. Thoughts, Joey? What I like about situations like this is how people in the government always refer to a previous law written like hundreds of years ago. Yes, I mean, I think that comes up. Do you have information about that? It, it's just the R. Witt Act of 1789, right. which I don't even know what it stands for. Oh, yes, I do. Hold on. <laughs> Necessary or appropriate in aid of their respective jurisdiction. Ooh. Jurid- I, can't, I can't do it either. You confused me. <laughs> jurisdiction? Yes. Jurisdiction. Okay, that. we get it. Jurisdiction. Yeah. And agreeable to the usage and principles of law. 
in simple speak, meaning it's a way to compel aid and cooperate and cooperation, cooperation, yeah, cooperation, yeah. cooperation from third parties. Yeah, it's coercion. It's essentially yes. it's a legal coercion that you can use. This is from the Slate article. Let's read it. Apple notes that in this case, the FBI is attempting to mandate creation of a backdoor under the All Writs Act of 1789, which I just talked about. The act has been used for years now to justify court orders that are, quote, necessary or appropriate in aid of their respective jurisdiction and agreeable to the uses and principles of law. Oh, I had it right there. Meaning it's a way to compel aid and cooperation from third parties. Recently, it's been used in a few cases related to encrypt, uh, decrypting smartphones, but not everyone agrees that it can extend to mandating that a company fundamentally undermines its security features. All right. Mm-hmm. In an explainer about the act from 2014, the uh, EFF, the Electronic Frontier Foundation, argued that, quote, the government cannot use an authority like the All Writs Act to force a company to back towards product, compelling a company to re-engineer a product designed to provide robust encryption is the definition of unreasonably burdensome because it undermines the basic purpose of the product. Right. Yes. Okay. I mean, I'm on board with that and I understand it. Cook wrote that, quote, if the government can use the All Writs Act to make it easier to unlock your phone, it would have the power to reach into anyone's device to capture their data. We feel we must speak up in the face of what we see as an overreach by the U.S. government and good for them. And I think a lot of this is made possible by Edward Snowden. I got to say that because this wasn't even on the radar. Apple, maybe they would have done it, but I don't think they would have done it this publicly. And I don't think they would have understood that people in America knew what the hell was going on, mm-hmm. especially to stand up against terror. You know, it is about unlocking a, a terror, a quote, terrorist phone. I don't think that terrorist is high prof- high profile enough. I think if there was a situation where it was a nuclear bomb at hand, I think the conversation then changes. You're, you're right. I mean, that's obviously in the abstract. Um, you know, how do you feel about that? Do you think, do you think if, the, if, the, if we knew? I'll be honest with you, I'm highly shocked that Apple doesn't have that technology already. What do you mean? The fact that they built the phone, the software for the phone, but never intended a backdoor says a lot about the company. Interesting. Great point. Do they? You know, it's like, do, do they have the ability to do it? Are they just refusing that? Did Open they, letter tells us they don't. Well, and right. And then it seems, you know, you got to take them at face value here and we'll see what goes on in the future. But right. I mean, if they're committed the way that it seems here to encryption technology and protecting people's rights. Yeah. They, they put a lock on a thing and don't have the key for it. That's what it's supposed to be. And that's how it's supposed to work. I, only time will tell there. Great point though, Joey. Edward Snowden at Snowden tweeted the technical changes the FBI demand and he, he adds them he adds the FBI so it's mm-hmm. like they're getting these tweets the technical changes the at FBI demands would make it possible to break into an iPhone 5C or older in a half hour that's that's about right yeah well think about right because they're not just going into Mr. San Bernardino's phone they can go into anybody's phone quickly if they want to and right to your point it's like well we thought there was a threat we thought he had a bomb yeah hey, he didn't w- whatever Sundar Pichai, I guess how you pronounce it, apologies to him, the Google CEO, was called out by Snowden being like, Google silence on the matter is very telling. And then he tweeted later, I guess he was just waiting to see where the wind blew. He said, this is the uh, fourth of a fifth tweet that he sent out. He said, but that's wholly different than requiring companies to enable hacking of customer devices and data could be a troubling precedent. So he, you know, essentially came out in like a lukewarm way and was like, yeah, I get what Apple's trying to do. Yeah. So. I don't know. Interesting. I mean, it's very interesting times um, that this is even something that is in the lexicon. You know, I don't know how much people are actually following this stuff, but I thought it was important to bring up and I appreciate, um, you know, having it sent to me by, well, not exactly on on Twitter, a a 
a listener for many months, you mm-hmm. know, uh, years even at this point. So we, we appreciate it. Um, final thoughts on that, Joey? I like the fact that China tried to do this and they couldn't do it. So now we're going to lead the charge on it. Yeah. Yeah. China, who's supposedly, you know, this like, not that they don't have their own capability, right? But this like super cyber threat, right? They they follow the lead on what we're doing for the most part. Russia does as well. You know, that's what you realize. Like when we do it, they go, all right, cool. We're they got good. away with all it. All bets are off. And that's why, you know, the argument of America as a moral leader is so strong, you know? Um, all right. Pretty good. What we have left is a 2016 presidential update. No Gamergate update. No Gamergate update. And then we have um, the, the debate coverage that I was talking about. Hey, it's your boy Ocho, man of the Ocho Cinco and Dukes podcast. Check out our podcast to hear my thoughts on sports, life, relationships, and the number one thing that means the most to me, love. Find new and archived episodes of the Ocho Cinco and Dukes podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and TuneIn. 2016 update, Joe. You ready to get into this Mm -hmm. thing? Nevada Republicans and on-the-ground operatives say Donald Trump's ground game is inferior to those of Bush, Rubio, and Cruz, which could be critical in a caucus state with some of the lowest voter turnout nationwide. I figured out his strategy. I'm all ears. Caucuses mean nothing to the man. What? He only believes in polls Uh and people who pull levels. Mm. That's it. That's his strategy, and he's going to win on that. All right. Well, I mean, he certainly believes on the, the free media that he's enjoying, you know. Um, Caucus have nothing on Donald Trump. <laughs> wow. Maybe write that down. That's a bold statement, Joey. Um, the interesting thing about it is a caucus is where you have to convince other people to vote for your person. Exactly. And if he doesn't have a ground game, which we've talked about a number of times, is he running? Is he not running? It's easy when you're getting the the attention and like you're saying, you know, you're polling well. But when it comes to actually having an on-the-ground infrastructure, that's what we're talking about. It seems like he's running uh, not as well. And if Cruz can pull another one, Cruz was ahead in one. You know, it could be an outlier, but he was ahead nationally over Trump in one of the polls. Oh. So, interesting. You know, it's a, it's a, it's an interesting one. I have a quote in the email, apparently. Yeah, Adam Kahn, who's the Washoe County Republican Central Committee chairman. He says, elections are won on organization. Trump has a lot of popularity, but if you look at the ground operation here, he just doesn't have it. Great. Meanwhile, Trump again threatened a third-party run, and I have that clip. I don't understand how he can do this. He looked everybody in the eye and told them, I will run as a Republican. Well, the big guy's about to explain it. You want to hear what he has to say? Yeah, let's do it. You saw it the other night during the debate. I did well in the debate. A lot of people said I won that debate. But when I walked in, it was like my wife was clapping, my kids were clapping. But the whole room was made up of special interests and donors, which is a disgrace from the RNC. The RNC better get its act together. Yeah. Because, you know, I signed a pledge, but the pledge isn't being honored by them. I signed a pledge. <laughs> Can we see that pledge? pledge it's like a, it's very... You know, it's very, it's like five. I want to see old. that pledge. Well, yeah, I mean, whatever, but yeah, I'm it's, sure it's, it's available it's, somewhere. It's made with crayons, right? But yeah, it's a, this, is a, this is a five year old tactic where it's like, I had my fingers crossed because I knew they weren't going to honor it, so I'm out. I'm not, I'm not obliging that pledge. Like, it's very juvenile, but, but yeah, I was reading about it. Trump supporters are literally on like a fourth, fourth grade reading level. You know, it's like oh. he, he speaks to them in very simplistic, simple ideas and terms, not a lot of compound words, different things like that. How is he going to sell his book if people can't read it? Yeah, I mean, 
you know, my dad has an Ann Coulter book. I don't think he reads it. It doesn't matter. Although oh, okay. Ann Coulter, by the way, uh, well, whatever. I'm not going to get into it. She's, she's a nice person. I've met Ann Coulter. Nice. Um, Hit play. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Thank you. You saved me. Being honored by the RNC because those tickets were all special interest people. But the RNC does a terrible job, a terrible job. And just <laughs> remember what I said. Remember in this room, I signed a pledge, but it's a double edged pledge. Double-edged pledge. That might be a good one. Okay. And as far as I'm concerned, they're in default of their pledge. Okay, so there you go. How could he ignore the pledge? Because he's just like, they blew it. They didn't do a good job with the pledge. I'm out. So, it's bluster. But, I, you know, he, he's if he really wanted to do it, he would do it. Yes. Uh, nothing's going to stop him from doing that. They could sue the shit out of him. It doesn't He'll do it. Uh, speaking of third party, Joey, former New York City Mayor Michael Bloomberg is reportedly, quote, looking at all options for a chance at the White House. So we're going to have two billionaires going for the top office? It's it's exa- it's a wet dream for the moneyed interest in this country. It's exactly what we want. It's the American dream. I mean, it's the Ayn Rand society that these people are looking for. It's like, Since when did the man control, control your own destiny. Make Fuck everybody. Make all the money you can, and you run this place. That's how it should be. It's a it's a winner's society, Joey. You know, and that's... Yes, that is fantastic. Now, Bloomberg doesn't have the recognition at all that a Donald Trump does, you know, uh, the mayor of New York city, former mayor. And yeah, New York City's a, New York city's a very small town, you know, as compared to the rest of the rest of the United States. I think New York has more influence on the rest of the world than it does on, you know, Kansas. Okay. And also another Jew. We're talking a conservative Jew, Mm -hmm. you know, I mean, that's going to come up. It hasn't necessarily come up yet with Bernie, but Bernie's not practicing. I think I think Bloomberg is a little more into it, you know. Mm-hmm. So we'll see. I'm just throwing that out there because it's it's part of the news. All right, I got some poll numbers heading into Nevada, South Carolina. Is my, how's my energy, Joe? You feel okay? I'm it doing, feels pretty good. Right. All right, I'm trying. Um, the Democratic Nevada caucuses are February 20th, so that will be before our next episode. The GOP Nevada caucuses are the 23rd of February. And also the GOP South Carolina primary is the 20th. So in between when you're hearing our sweet voices just whisper into your little earbuds and next time you hear us, three votes will have taken place. Wow, it's huge. Very big. So we'll have that for you, obviously. Now, these are some of the poll numbers. The Dems in Nevada. Polls plus, polls only. Polls plus includes endorsements. Mm -hmm. So that factors into the percentage. Polls only is just an average, a weighted average. Hillary, 69 to 31 over Bernie in Nevada. Now, this is just polling, and again, it's a caucus. He did mm-hmm. a lot better in the caucuses in Iowa than people expected, almost won. Then polls only 57-43, which is interesting because if you, fa- if you take the endorsements out, that's not actually something that is going to impact people's votes, and it will just eventually impact the delegate count. You understand? Yeah. So that's pretty close. I mean, 57-43, obviously, he'd probably like that to be a little higher, but that could go, you know, that can change. On the GOP side in South Carolina, which again takes place on the 20th, same day as the Nevada Democratic caucuses, Trump, 78% with the polls plus, 87% with polls only. Wow. Over Rubio, 12-5. Cruz, 8-8. Doesn't matter, endorsements or polls only. And Bush is 1% with the polls plus, less than a percentage, polls only. So not great there. Flip side, Nevada, Trump, 433 Rubio 19.4, Cruz 17.5, Bush 1.2. So interesting numbers. Again, Trump's still in the lead, but based on what we hear about his ground game, who knows what, what the deal is. You know, 
this time next week, I think we're going to be saying the praises of Rubio. Yeah, I, I mean, I think that's reasonable. Again, the guy had just an absolute buffoon week. It's uh, all right. It happens. You know, but he, I think he came with it better in these debates. I have some clips, although, again, I mean, it's it's really kind of a mess, the Republican side. But yeah, Rubio had a better showing, and I think he had more support in the crowd. Trump alludes that they're paid to be there, you know, they're lobbyist <laughs> type of people, which certainly could be correct, uh, but we'll get into that in a little bit. Okay, that's it for the update. Pretty good so far. We just have these clips. You ready to get into this yes. stuff? What do you want to do? You want to get into uh, Democrat or Republican first? What are you feeling, Joey? Uh, let's go Republican. All right. I like that choice. That's kind of what I was angling for. And let's do it because I have more Republican clips here. They're not long, but I just have more of them. All right. Joey, while I get this set up, tell the Samsonites how this works every week. Hold so, on. Wait. You know what? I'm really sorry. They lose. The world is Too a loud, right? Place. It's a That's fine. How's that? We are it's okay. Military. Okay, great. Uh, shut up, bartender. All right. So I'm going to break it down really quick. Son of a bartender, man. This time, Chris watches the debate in a bubble, mm-hmm. reads no commentary blown from by, anybody else. Blown by pixies from the, the, far, the sugar plum forest. And instead of tweeting it out, mm-hmm. he writes it down to his little notebook. Right. And he shares it with us. That's correct. That's exactly and right. And here we go. Thank you. Yes. And I've been a little more active on Twitter, honestly. Uh, so, man, Sam, if you would like to get involved there. Okay. Debate opened up on the Supreme Court vacancy. Let's start with the Republican frontrunner, Donald John Trump. Trump's thoughts about filling Scalia's seat on the court. Ready? Mm-hmm. So let's begin. First, the death of Justice Scalia and the vacancy that leaves on the Supreme Court. Mr. Trump, I want to start with you. You've said that the president shouldn't nominate, any, nominate anyone in the rest of his term to replace Justice Scalia. If you were president and had a chance with 11 months left to go in your term, wouldn't it be an abdication to conservatives in particular not to name a conservative justice with the rest of your term? For the- well, I can say this. If the president and if I were president now, I would certainly want to try and nominate a justice. And I'm sure that Frankly, I'm absolutely sure that President Obama will try and do it. Honest answer. Yes. Correct. I hope that our Senate is going to be able, Mitch and the entire group is going to be able to do something about it. <laughs> I also, you know, it's funny, the longer mm-hmm. he's in it, he, he acts like he's on first day basis of like Mitch with McConnell, like, you know, with Mitch and different <laughs> polls, you know, it's, it's, he's, he's a showman, the son of a bitch, he really is. Mm-hmm. In times of delay, we could have a Diane Sykes or you could have a Bill Pryor. We have some fantastic people. But this is a tremendous blow to conservatism. It's a tremendous blow, frankly, to our country. So just to be clear on this, Mr. Trump, you're okay with the president nominating somebody. I I think he's going to do it, whether I'm okay with it or not. I think it's up to Mitch McConnell and everybody else to stop it. It's called delay, delay, delay. Good answer. Plays well to the South Carolina crowd. They enjoy it. South Carolina, notoriously a nasty political, God bless you to whoever that was, uh, a nasty political um, spectra. I can't think of the word, but whatever. Yeah, atmosphere. All right. John Kasich, this son of a bitch, makes a number of silly points in a matter of seconds. And I, I had to bring it up because it's really, the, again, there's a guy that's like a nice guy and like mm-hmm. kind of a. Mo- okay. Well, listen to this dumb shit that he's about to say. Sir? I just wish we hadn't run so fast into politics. Here's my. Oh, there you go. He made your point. <laughs> yep. Concern about this. The country is so divided right now. And now we're going to see another partisan fight taking place. 
I really wish the president would think about not nominating somebody. If he were to nominate somebody, let's have him pick somebody that is going to have unanimous approval and such widespread approval across the country that this could happen without uh, a lot of recrimination. I don't. Would never happen. Impossibility. You know, it's like that, talk to your party. That's that's the problem the, there. He he can pick the most conservative person possible, and the party would still poo poo it just to get out of. He could exhume Ronald Reagan, reanimate him, and they'd be like, you know what, Reagan was a little <laughs> more moderate than I think we are willing to. You know, it, it would n- absolutely never happen. I don't think that's going to happen. Correct. And I would like the president to just for once here put the country first. Yeah. We're going to have like an election never for president very soon. And the people will understand what is at stake in that election. And so I believe uh, the president should not move forward. Yeah. And uh, I, I think that we ought to let the next president of the United States decide who is going to run that Supreme Court with a vote by the people of the United States of America. Yeah, because people didn't understand that when they voted Obama again. Mm-hmm. That's the false premise that they're trying to create here. It's like, you know that he had to get elected, right? Yes, twice. And they understood the possibility of an 82-year-old you know, person die. They understood that people die so or retire or whatever. They get it. There, there's always the possibility. There's always a possibility. It's like, uh, it's like that game. It's not hot potato or like pop it or whatever. But you know, like the thing that would like uh, you put little pieces in and like there's a timer and you gotta like move the pieces around and then oh timer went off. Bing. That's what a Supreme Court nomination is. You just happen to be holding the box when you know when it goes down. All right, Joey's just looking at me blankly. <laughs> Joey didn't have a lot of toys as a kid. Uh, all right, Rubio weighs in. He reiterates a very common right wing refrain about the Constitution that bothers me absolutely every time i hear it marco rubio joey's potential dark horse over the next week or so a piece of of jurist work and of course his descent on obergefeld as well number two obergefeld was what made same-sex marriage okay okay Uh, scalia was not okay with it i do not believe the president should appoint someone and it's not unprecedented in fact it's been over 80 years since a lame duck president has appointed a supreme court justice and it reminds us of this how important this election is. Thank Someone you. on this stage will get to choose the balance of the Supreme Court, and it will begin by filling this vacancy that's there now. And we need to put people on the bench that understand that the Constitution is not a living and breathing document. It is to be interpreted as originally meant. Crowd oh. eats it up. Now, oh. that, that look, that's... That's the way it is. It's one side of the coin. People think that that's the case. However, why is there an amendment process to the Constitution? Why, you know... That right there proves that it's not necessarily an okay. Maybe you can make the argument. I think Jefferson made the argument. Yeah, you're not supposed to fuck with the actual Constitution. It is what it is. It means what it means. But then we don't really need justices or judges or anybody interpreting it. Like if, if it's it got a clear intention, that's why they did they set up the system this way. But even still, don't change it. But you can amend it. You can mm-hmm. add amendments. Be like. The Second Amendment does not matter anymore. You know what I mean? It's like you can literally do stuff like that. Corporate money cannot be involved in elections. Like you can make amendments to the Constitution. And it's very frustrating and it's very biblical. It's very religious of like it is passed down from our founding fathers and it is untouchable and unmoving. You can't add to it. Right. God gave us the Ten Commandments in the Bible, even though it was written years after he was dead. And, you know, so it's that type of logic, which is really frustrating. And it undermines a lot of what the, you know, the framers intentionally, you know, intentionally put in place. All right. This is a good one. Cruz has a snippy tete-a-tete with the moderator. I really enjoyed it. Let's listen, Joey. I might have to cut this little part out. Okay. This is like a really quick clip. It doesn't, it doesn't matter politically, but I like what Cruz, uh, I like this shit. 
So, Senator Cruz, the Constitution says the president shall appoint with advice and consent from the Senate, just to clear that up. So he has the constitutional power. But you don't think he should. Where do you set that date if you're president? Does it begin in election year? <laughs> also, they have top trending questions on Ted Cruz, like under uh-huh. the, the video I found. The three questions are, what did Donald Trump say about Ted Cruz, which is a question about Trump? How is Ted Cruz doing? Nah, okay. And then what is Ted Cruz's real name? Those are the questions. <laughs> nobody, nobody wants to know anything. September, November, September. And once you set the date, when you're president, will you abide by that date? Well, we have 80 years of precedent of not confirming Supreme Court justices in an election year. And, and let me say, Justice just, Scalia. And I, I'm sorry to interrupt. Were any nominee uh, appointed in an election year? Or is that just there were 80 years? 80 happening? years of, of not confirming. For example, LBJ nominated Abe Fortas. Fortas did, did not get confirmed. He was defeated. But Kennedy was confirmed in 88. No, Kennedy was confirmed in 87. He was, he was, appo- he was appointed in 87. He was appointed in 88. 88. That's the question. Is it appointing or confirming? What's the in this case, it's both. But if I could, could answer sorry, the question. Sorry, I just want to get the facts straight for the audience. I apologize. Oh. <laughs> Perfect. Well played, sir. Yeah, the crowd doesn't like facts. They don't care. They're like, no, let Ted talk. We don't care. We want a Ted talk. They don't, they don't care. But I like that little, uh, where he's like, I just wanted to get the facts straight for the audience. I apologize. Idiot. Go for it. Uh, nice. Okay. Trump and Bush, Trump and Bush had a, the, these two are just like cats and dogs. They, they yeah, go nice. on every debate, particularly rough one, I think, for, for Bush this time. And, and this is where I think Trump scored a lot of points, because if this is what's resonating, he did a lot of it. Trump and Bush go back and forth. One of the many times it happened during the debate. It's embarrassing for both of them to me. Obviously, I don't mm-hmm. think, you know, riddle me this. And this is all stuff that I wrote at the time. Which one of these two should have their dumb fingers near a button that can launch nuclear bombs into the sky? Which one do you want selecting the next justice? These are the questions, like it or not, that are now in the conversation. Play it. Well, you know, frankly, I probably should have had it queued up uh, better to hit that little uh, pause there, but hold on. Here we go. I got it. Okay. United States, the whole world knows this. It's a simple, basic fact. They're not taking out, they're not, they're not even attempting to take out ISIS. They're, huh. they're attacking Every the troops. Every goddamn week with ISIS. It's yes. just the same argument. And, and I don't know why, because people just aren't paying attention. They, they have to keep repeating the same shit over and over and over and over. Supporting. We need to create a coalition, Sunni-led coalition, on mm-hmm. the ground with our special operators to destroy ISIS and bring about stability. And you can't sure. do that with Assad in power. And we less said, than uh, less than a trillion dollars. I have a question there. for you. Well, yes, Judge. Do you think an angel gets its wings every time they mention ISIS? Something gets its wings. Yeah, probably. Uh, yeah, a journalist. <laughs> Boo. I'm sorry. I should. I don't know. Okay. I, I feel bad for all of the people that. I, whatever. I, it's not going to sound sincere now. Supporting troops that we don't Let even know who they though. are. Okay, We're supporting this is troops ridiculous. that we don't right, even know who Mr. they Trump. are. All right. Trump's right. I got to be honest. People think that Trump, and he probably doesn't have much foreign policy outside of like sentences that he says like that. Yes. But God damn it. I mean, if, if I knew for sure that this guy was actually going to get the right tutelage and, and be able to make the decisions based on what, what was real, he's right about a lot of the stuff he says, particularly in comparison to, you know, the more establishment people mm-hmm. like Rubio and... Uh, and Bush, it's it's kind of crazy. He tells it as it is. Well, he tells it as he sees it, whether that's yeah. going to manifest in anything or not, who knows. But I'm just saying, right, we're giving arms to people we don't know. That's always the argument. That's what Bernie argues for. So it's people want to say it's just anger that makes you know that makes people support Trump and, and Sanders. No, it's not true. It's truth sometimes gets said. 
You have no idea who they are. Gentlemen, I think we're going we're gonna to leave that there. I've got a question from a guy for who Senator. gets his foreign policy from the shows. Oh, yeah. Boo, recycled. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is yeah. a guy who thinks yeah. that Hillary Clinton was a great negotiator in Iran. Spent we're living in dangerous times. In this is a man who insults his way to the nomination. Million all right, ladies, all right, Give me all a right. Break. Gentlemen, <laughs> gentlemen, let's leave it there so I can ask a question of Senator Cruz, who's also running for president. <laughs> Senator Cruz. Okay, and then they move on. I mean, first of many that that happened yeah. all night. And it's like, it's unpresidential, I think. You know, I mean, I, I guess it plays pretty well to a, a southern base, but we'll, we'll see. All right, the next thing I got here, let me cue it up, is... God damn it. Okay, here we go. This is definitely a favorite clip from this debate. I have to say it, Trump won this debate. I agree with Trump here specifically... And it's extremely interesting that of all the nutty shit Moneybags has said, this truthful statement he's about to make riled up the rest of the candidates the most. Also, got to feel like Trump's position here is because he's been a Democrat more often than not. But he has to be a Republican now to get this deep into the political process. By the way, just keep your eye on this. Trump's use of the word reign instead of presidency or term or time in office is hilarious and telling. King's reign. All right, here we go. Enjoy this. I, this is my favorite from the whole thing. Commander-in-chief is not focused on defeating the enemy. All right, Mr. Trump. <laughs> on Monday, George W. Bush will campaign in South Carolina for his brother. As you said tonight, and you've often said, the Iraq war and your opposition to it was a sign of your good judgment. In 2008, in an interview with Wolf Blitzer talking about President George W. Bush's conduct of the war, you said you were surprised that Democratic leader Nancy Pelosi didn't try to impeach him. You said, quote, which personally I think would have been a wonderful thing, Uh, close quote. When you were asked what you meant by that, you said, for the war. For the war. He lied. He got us into the war with lies. Do you still believe President Bush should be impeached, should have been impeached? I have to say, as a businessman, I get along with everybody. (laughs) Because I'm going to be going back to being a businessman in a few months. And just, you understand, I'll work with all of you. This is all over the world. I know so many of the people in the audience. And by the way, I'm a self-funder. I don't have. I have my wife and I have my son. That's all I have. I don't have this. Pulling the curtain back a little bit, which, again, is interesting. That's what's interesting about Trump. Maybe 20% of the shit he does. I'm like, yep, correct. So let me just tell you. (laughs) Who's in the room? I get along with everybody, which is my obligation to my company, to myself, etc. Obviously, the war in Iraq was a big, fat mistake. Bravo. Yes, the mm-hmm. war in Iraq was an unmitigated disaster, a problem that we are still suffering from, we will be suffering from for generations. And Donald Trump, when he says that, that that's a brave thing to say in a Republican primary, yes. period. It's a, and I really do truly applaud him for making that statement because it's, there's no argument against it. All right. Now, you can take it any way you want. And it took just... It took Jeb Bush. And he immediately the- pivots and squashes dummy over there. Yeah. And then Bush made me, I just lost it. Beginning of his announcement, when he announced for president, took him five days. He went back. It was a mistake. It wasn't a mistake. Took him five days before his people told him what to say. <laughs> and he ultimately said it was a mistake. The war in Iraq, we spent $2 trillion, thousands of lives. We don't even have it. Iran is taking over Iraq with the second largest oil reserves in the world. Obviously, it was a mistake. So George Bush made a mistake. We so, can make mistakes, but that one was a beauty. We should have never. <laughs> I love it. I mean, what the understatement of the decade. Like, yeah, invading Iraq was a beauty of a mistake. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. But 
Lo- I really do love it. I love hearing it, and I don't care that the crowd's going to boo him and whatever. That's the truth, and he should be saying it. In Iraq, we have destabilized right. the Middle East. But so you, so I'm going to. So you still think he should be impeached? I think it's my turn, isn't it? You do whatever you want. You call it whatever you want. I want to tell you, they lied. Okay. They said there were weapons of mass destruction. There were none, and they knew there were none. There were no weapons of mass destruction. Okay. 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 All right. No, that's it. Hey, hey, Henry never says that. What, what's happening? When America- no, go ahead, back. Tell me the truth. What? Chris, <laughs> please. Anyone? No, Trumpy, no. We're on the stage's brother gets attacked. I got about five or six. Do I get to do it five or six times or just once nice. responding to that? So here's the deal. I'm sick and tired of Barack Obama blaming my brother for all of the problems that he's had. Good line. And That's frankly, a good soundbite. It's an insane line. And it's a good the country is so much better off now than it ever was under under Bush. It's 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 there's no there's no debate there. That's insane. It's just an insane thing to say. Mr. Less than one percent over here is, you know, saying the wrong shit. I could I could care less about the insults that Donald Trump gives to me. It's blood sport for him. He enjoys it, and I'm glad he's happy about it. He but I am, sick and, tired. I am sick and tired of him going after my family. My dad is the greatest man alive in my mind. Yeah, and he invaded Iraq also, but yes. he had the good sense to get the fuck out of there. At the council of Dick Cheney, who was like, we can't. You can't do that. And then, you know, fast, fast forward, he did. While, while Donald Trump was building a reality TV show, my brother was building a security apparatus to keep us safe. My I'm God. proud of what he did. That's bananas. And he's had the gall to go the after World my Trade mother. Center came he's down had the gall your to go after reign. my mother. That. Your brother's reign. He's had the gall to King go after George. my mother. That's not keeping Look, us I won safe. the lottery when I was Oops, born sorry. 63 years ago and looked up and I saw my mom. mom my mom is the strongest woman I know. She should this be is running. not about my family <laughs> or Trump his Trump just family. like peppered him with shit throughout this whole thing and it's a nonsense. Yeah, Bush kept us safe theoretically after he completely fucking left us vulnerable and then, you know, you talk about Guantanamo, all the other rendition programs to torture all the shit. Yeah, he kept us real, real safe. The world is such a better place thanks to the, the Bush administration. It's a fabrication and it's infuriating. It's the issue of our time. It is the issue of our time, and these guys just want to whitewash it. They don't yep. want to acknowledge what the goddamn reality was. Yeah, but Trump is up there speaking the truth. Thank God. Let I, him I, go. I've literally never been happier that Donald Trump has been in this, in this race. He needs to be saying it. Okay. This is about the South Carolina families that need someone to be a commander-in-chief that can lead. Governor, I'm that person. Governor Kasich, would you weigh in on... All right, so that's the end of that little thing, and then Kasich's just like, golly, gee, that's, that's crazy. <laughs> Listen, Kasich is in this for the long haul. You show the man some respect. Yeah, I mean, if you can keep the money coming in, that's always going to be the issue there. Uh, and I, again, I, Kasich seems like a nice guy, but I, uh, some of the stuff he says offhandedly, I'm just like, man, that is not... Uh, that's not what you say? No, nah, that's, that's not what I believed you were going to be about at first. You, you've changed your, your opinions quite a bit. Okay, where are we? Um, damn it. I'm sorry, Joey. Can you say something to the Samsonites while I just find this little clip? Anything you want. So... You heard about my boy, Ryan Reynolds, right? Oh, my sweet God. You t- okay, yeah. yeah uh, what about him? No. Highest opening rated R movie of all time. I feel like that... Congratulations. I mean, you do love Ryan Reynolds. You're a, bit, you're a big fan. The, 
Deadpool movie you're talking about. Yes. Well, I feel like that every time a movie comes out, they're like biggest opening box office man. But like, how can that? How can they all be? I mean, they all just literally keep making more money. So maybe this piracy shit is a little bit of a you know a misnomer, right? That it's hurting the industry. How does every major movie they put out? Which you would assume would be the ones that people are pirating. They're not. They're not pirating uh, sideways. You know what I mean? Or, or independent movies. So they're making their money. So just leave, leave people the fuck alone. Yeah. Congratulations, Ryan Reynolds. Y- okay. You happy about that? I'm very happy about. All right. That. Well, good for him. Okay. Rubio steps in and says something so patently absurd. I'm not ashamed to say I weeped openly. I'm lying. I, I didn't cry. Crying's for losers, and I'm a winner. I'm a Trump supporter. Let's make America great again. Stop crying. Let's carpet bomb something. We're winners! Job, and then come home once we've accomplished our goals. That's what we need to do. 30, 30 seconds. Yeah. I just want to say, at least on behalf of me and my family, I thank God all the time that it was George W. Bush in the White House on 9-11 and not Al Gore. Oh, oh my God. Great sound it's crazy. It's a crazy thing. I wake up sometimes in the middle of the night thinking like, man, if Al Gore was president, we would have been fine. Hmm. We would have been. The world would be so much better off. It's unbelievable. I think the exact opposite. It's so. Cool. Does nine eleven happen? No way to know. But we know that there was memos. We know that there were a lot of warnings. That there was a lot of intelligence coming in that was simply ignored. People quit over the amount of information that was coming in and being like, "Why aren't you listening?" They're like, "Don't worry about it. We gotta get to Iraq." I mean, never mind. And then they did. They made up a case for war. That shit's not gonna happen under uh, Al Gore. No way. No way. That is. Really, just beyond the pale. It's crazy that he would say something like that. Not in Bush's smiles, Trump scowls. <laughs> you can, I think you can look back in hindsight and say a couple of things, but he kept us safe. Not, Not only did he keep us safe, wait. but no matter what you want to say about weapons of mass destruction, Saddam Hussein was in violation of UN resolutions, an open violation, and the world wouldn't do anything about it. And George W. Bush enforced what the international community refused to do. And again, he kept us safe, and I am forever grateful to what he did for this. How did he keep us safe when the world trades anything? (laughs) I like pausing there because it's like, ding, you nailed it. I also said also at the end, at the way end of this clip, which goes off the rails several times, Bush takes what could have been a good moment for him and just lets all the air out with a corny joke like an asshole. He makes me mad purely from a strategic standpoint every debate. It must be infuriating to watch as his campaign manager or billionaire sugar daddy pouring (laughs) cash into the election. It's got to just be like, God damn it, fucking Jeb. Like That's why there's an exclamation point after his name because they're just screaming at him. Jeb! Insert the corny joke. Yeah, it's mental. Well, you'll hear it. Yeah, here we go. The world, I lost hundreds of friends. The World Trade Center came down during the rain. He kept us safe. That's not safe. That is not safe, Mark. Right, correct. That is not safe. The The World World Trade Trade Center came down because Bill Clinton didn't kill Osama bin Laden when he had the chance to kill him. And George Bush... Man, it's just it's true. So it's so frustrating, dude. That's that's very troubling. It's like, man, we, we just can't can't even agree. If Obama was in office, you think it'd be his fault, or you think it'd be Bush because he didn't kill Bin Laden? Bush didn't kill Bin Laden. Obama did. He was in office. Hmm. He didn't die at the right time. Yeah. By the way, George Bush had the chance also, and he didn't listen to the advice of his CIA. All right, Dr. Carson, we have a can I just can we I, have a cleansing. Thing? I'm not going to invite Donald Trump to the rally in Charleston on Monday afternoon. I don't want to go. coming to speak. <laughs> yeah. Why? I'm sending the invitation. I yep. thought you might want to come, but I guess not. All right. Ugh, what an asshole. Like, is that aggravating or what? It's like, why would you do that? 
you you don't understand how this works at all. Like this is not a time for levity. You 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 tried to push back against them. Now you're just gonna like make a dumb joke. Yep. Ah, oh, what a moron. He just doesn't get it. It's very frustrating. All right. Next clip. Rubio and Cruz go back and forth hard on immigration. The crowd doesn't know what to do. Now, remember, this is part of the process to become the most powerful person on earth. This argument is about who is more serious about keeping brown people on their side of an imaginary line. I miss Chris Christie. That's for you, Joey. Yes, thank you. Even though he's a psycho. But, but you understand what I'm saying? This is yeah. what this debate is about here. Uh, two more clips. Maybe one more clip of this. All right, here we go. We're going to have to do this again, okay? Yeah, when okay. that issue was being debated, Ted Cruz at a committee hearing very passionately said, I want immigration reform to pass. I want people to be able to come out of the shadows. And he proposed an amendment that would have legalized people here. Not only that, he proposed doubling the number of green cards. He proposed a 500% increase on guest workers. Now his position is different. Now, now he is a passionate opponent of all those things. So he either wasn't telling the truth then, or he isn't telling the truth now. But to argue he's a purist on immigration is just not true. Major, I, I get a response. To that. Great, this is so good. Your response, Senator Chris. You know the lines are very, very clear. Marco right now supports citizenship for 12 million people here illegally. I oppose citizenship. Marco stood on the debate stage and said that. But I would note not only that. Marco has a long record when it comes to amnesty. In the state of Florida, Speaker of the House, he supported in-state tuition for illegal immigrants. Oh, my God, you son of a bitch. Why would you want people that are definitely going to be here forever to learn? Mm -hmm. <laughs> in addition to that, Marco went on Univision in uh, Spanish and said this. he would oh, not yeah, yeah, yeah. rescind President Obama's illegal executive amnesty on his first day in office. I have promised to rescind every single illegal executive action, including that one. I don't know how he knows what I said on Univision because he doesn't speak Spanish. Oh. And second of all, oh. the other point that I would make... Marco, si quieres, díselo ahora, ahora mismo, díselo ahora. En español, si quieres. Oh, Cruz with the double slam. Unbelievable. <laughs> because he doesn't speak Spanish. And Cruz is just like, blah, 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 blah. He comes right out. I, I don't want that to offend anyone. I don't speak Spanish. I apologize. But you know, he came right out with it. Yes. He was like, you want to give me the answer in Spanish, you fuck? That's what he said. <laughs> Look, this is a disturbing pattern now. Amazing. For a number of weeks now, Ted Cruz has just been telling lies. Right. He lied about Ben Carson in Iowa. Uh -oh. He lies about Planned Parenthood. He lies about marriage. He's lying about all sorts of things, and now he makes things up. You want to know something? Is, this is a sure, campaign, Joe, and on? people are watching. It really is disconcerting to me when you get a bunch of grown men mm -hmm. on the stage, and all they do is yell at each other that they're liars. Well, that's what I'm saying. These are the, these are the people that will have uh, you know the nuclear codes. They'll be making those decisions. Because like, and this is about letting people, you know, people <clears throat> who are are suffering into the country. I mean, of course, yes. there's people that are taking advantage of the system. That's fine. But the majority, vast majority of people that come into the country illegally are seeking refuge from something terrible. You know, see, because everyone worries about like Hillary and how trustworthy she is, and the polls usually don't grade her that high in being trustworthy. Right. When you hear a bunch of people screaming at each other that none of them are trustworthy and they're a bunch of liars, it's mm -hmm. not going to help. No, of course. This is what we always talk about. This is a primary. When this you get to the general primary. election, you got all these things being like every person you work with thinks you're a liar. And we just go back to the videotape. Exactly. That's absolutely right. And they see the truth behind all these issues. And here's the truth. Ted Cruz supported legalizing people that were in this country that illegally. That is simply And only now does he say he That, that is absolutely false. That is knowingly false. And I would note, if, well, we'll if, you, want assess, if you want to assess, if you want to assess who's telling the truth, okay. if you want to assess who's telling the truth, Jesus, it's just a clusterfuck. Look, 
to Jeff Sessions, who said without Ted Cruz, the Rubio-Schumer amnesty bill would have passed, and Ted was responsible. You should look to Rush Limbaugh and Mark Levin. Yeah. Said, Senator Cruz, Marco that'll be, that'll be the last one. Governor Bush. I'll put the video Governor online, Bush. and you can make it. Governor Bush, I want to yes. yeah. bring this out to a little wider. Okay. Immigration conversation continues. This part is truly bananas. Bush and Trump again. How could you possibly watch this and think these goofs are more qualified than Bernie or Hillary? Even I'm not supporting Hillary, but it's like yeah, there's no comparison. Um, and it's troubling. It should be more obvious, but half the voting public thinks these guys are clearly more qualified, which is a, a huge issue. This clip, one more, and then we can move on to mm. the Democrats, all right? Philosophical aperture, <laughs> if you will. Thank you. You have said legal, illegal immigrants, quote, broke the law, but it's not a felony. Still quoting you, it's an act of love. It's an act of commitment to your family. Mr. Trump has, as you are well aware, denounced that statement over and over. Do you still believe it? What does that mean to you? And how does that inform First, your I approach feel like to I, immigration reform? Great question. I feel like I have to um, get into my inner Chris Christie and point out that the reason why I should be president is listening to two senators talk about arcane amendments to bills that didn't pass. This is, this is the problem. We need, we need a leader to fix this problem. And I have a detailed plan to do just that, including controlling the border, dealing with the visa overstayers, making sure that we have a path to legal status, not to citizenship, for those that come out from the shadows and pay a fine, learn English, don't commit crimes, work and pay taxes. That is the better approach. Fundamentally, do you believe this rhetoric is insufficiently compassionate to this the, issue? The great majority of people that come to this country come because they have no other choice. They want to come to provide their families. That right. doesn't mean it's right. That doesn't mean it's right. We should oh nuanced argument. That's going to be a we problem. We should control mm -hmm. our border. Coming here legally should be a lot easier than coming here illegally. But the motivation—they're not all rapists, as you know who said. They're not that. These are people that are coming to provide for their families, and we should show a little more respect for the fact that they're struggling. It doesn't mean we shouldn't be controlling the border. That's exactly what we should be doing, Mr. Trump. Look. Just for the record, Trump should not have been able to reply because his name wasn't said. He said, you know who? Oh, I see what you're saying. A technicality? Yes. Well, he brought, we knew who he was talking about. Yeah. When I announced that I was running for president on June 16th, illegal immigration wasn't even a subject. Oh, what, this if I again? didn't bring it up, you wouldn't even be talking. Now, I don't often agree with Marco, and I don't often agree with Ted, but I can in this case. The weakest person on this stage by far on illegal immigration is Jeb Bush. They come out of an act of love, whether you like it or not. He is so weak on illegal immigration, it's laughable, and everybody knows it. So, you know, this, this, this is the standard operating procedure to disparage me. That's fine. I don't I know. Really Spend care a little more money on the commercials. Mm -hmm. But if you want to talk about weakness, you want to talk about weakness, it's weak to disparage women. It's weak disparage. to disparage. Wow. I don't disparage. It's weak. Yeah, it's a point. It's weak you know? to denigrate the disabled. And it's really weak to call John McCain a loser because he was a. I never called him. I don't call that him. That is outrageous. <laughs> <an American. laughs> we played that clip. He also said about is, language. I've laid out my plan. He said about language. My language. Two days ago, he said he would take his pants off and moon everybody and that's fine nobody reports that what is, what is it what, what is this devolved devolved into it just doesn't make i don't even understand what, what talking he about. said she said but it's just what he said and he said right he gets up and says that and then he tells me oh my language was a little bit rough okay my language governor Kasich. give me a break governor Kasich. <laughs> governor Kasich. 
Here in South Carolina earlier this week, you said the idea, the concept of deporting just, 11 million undocumented workers that, here. Make sure my mother's listening we, uh, and she's watching the debate. I didn't did say, say that going to move. You did say it. We, 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 in ten we, different we will leave the moon metaphors to be adjudicated later. I assure. And then it's uh, okay. So Bush tries to make another joke to let the air out. Joey, I got to be honest with you, man. Yes. I'm not feeling great. Um, I'm going to call the last clip here, and then maybe I'll just read what I got for the Democratic debate. Okay. I, I'm, not, I'm not feeling great, and I apologize uh, to everybody for that. But it's just uh, you're dying. Yeah, I'm not feeling terrific. So let's just let me pull up the notes maybe here that I have about the uh, Democratic debate. And uh, then we can maybe get out of here. So Bernie makes a big promise on incarceration during a pretty good portion about criminal justice reform. Like times in the past, it doesn't get the crowd response it deserves, but I appreciate it and want to highlight it. Also, Bernie is following the Black Lives Matter checklist for police reforms, which I guess is going unnoticed by large percentages of the black community, which is a community that he needs to get. Uh, Bernie said that in his first term, America will no longer have the largest percentage of their population behind bars, which is a a huge promise to say that we're going to, you know, what, let a million people out of jail for nonviolent offenses. It didn't get a lot, but I thought yeah. it was an important thing to say. Um, then I had some stuff about Hillary getting hit about campaign finance. This is stuff that's going to come up again. And I apologize again. I, I did do the research here, but it is what it is. One of the big parts of this debate that I found really interesting. There was a fluff Facebook question. Bernie answers it about, you know, who are two people from history? One American, one, foreign or i forget how they mm -hmm. they put it out but he went with fdr and winston churchill he was just saying winston churchill's leadership and obviously agrees with a lot of what fdr did he goes on for like two minutes answers it hillary roughly answers it and then spirals into an attack on bernie i don't know how this plays and it begs the question who's she playing to does this galvanize women the base in general i don't know i'm really asking However, the obvious play here is, once again, defending Obama's legacy. Probably some of the nastiest back and forth between the, the two so far in the campaign. They, she attacks Bernie for something he said earlier in the day about, he didn't say it verbatim, but essentially Obama did not pass the leadership test in terms of being able to create bipartisan support for things and mm -hmm. you know creating consensus. And Hillary obviously defended Obama in that. That clip, I'm sure, is available. I think you guys could find it if you really wanted to. And then short and sweet, the last clip, Hillary finds a bit of a message We'll close with this. She says, this is not a one-issue country, and I am not a one-issue candidate, which Ooh. soundbite attacks Bernie right where she should be attacking him, even though I think um, we are right now. We have to be a one-issue country, and that's getting money out of politics, which is what she was alluding to. But interesting coming out of Iowa and uh, you know so, um, New Hampshire. She found a little bit of a message there. It's not enough. Well, it's not enough because it's not a personal message, but at least it's a, a quotable or something. You know what I mean? That, yeah. that can maybe catch on with people. All right. Thank you guys for listening to the show. I apologize. I hope uh, I'll, be feel I'll be feeling better next week. I just need to catch up on some rest and feel a little bit better over the weekend. Um, guys, iTunes. You can go on there. You can rate, subscribe, review. Uh, you could tell us who, whether you're a Samsonite or a nobody and that nobody spelled N-O-E. B-O-D-Y. Uh, you can also go on soundcloud.com slash mandatory Samson. You can listen to all the old episodes of this program. Leave a comment on the new episode. Leave, you know, and I'll, I'll respond to that. Uh, YouTube.com slash mandatory Samson. Show streams live every Thursday at 4 p.m. You just go to YouTube.com slash mandatory Samson. You can watch all the other full episodes that I've put up. I got to be honest. I don't know how quickly I'm going to get the YouTube video up. It might be tonight, but it will certainly be you know, in the next day or two okay. over the weekend. So I promise mandatory Samson at gmail.com. I love you guys for the emails. I really appreciate it. I uh, got some sticker requests there. You know, will be sent out 
forthright. Uh, any questions, comments, whatever, you can go there. Twitter.com slash Mansamp. Twitter.com slash Joey from Jersey. Jersey is spelled the Z. And it's the same shit on Snapchat. Listen, kiddies, enjoy the caucuses, the primaries, and we will definitely be talking to you next week. <laughs>